0: Big 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 Ahoy, Nickelodeon fans, and welcome to This Week in Nickelodeon History. My name is Captain Eric, and I'll be covering some Nickelodeon anniversaries in between the times of April 10th to April 16th. I'll also have my top five of the week, my top five All That characters, since we are celebrating the anniversary of All That this week. But we're not starting with All That as our first entry in This Week in Nickelodeon History, because 40 years ago... On April 12th, 1981, the Alpha Repertory Television Service premiered on Nickelodeon. Now, you're not going to know what this is off the bat. Unless you know your Nickelodeon history, you're not going to know what this is. But the Arts Channel, ARTS, Alpha Repertory Television Service, was a cable television network that operated nightly on the channel space that Nickelodeon had during the day. So when Nickelodeon would shut off for the night, the Arts Channel would, would then take over. In 1984, the Arts Channel merged with the Entertainment Channel to become the Arts and Entertainment Network, also known as a and so if you, if you know of the A&E channel, it actually has its roots all the way back on the same channel of Nickelodeon. So we're celebrating 40 years of A&E. You got your start all the way back on Nickelodeon, kid. Good for you. 40 years later. Congratulations. 28 years ago, on April 16th, 1994, All That premiered on Nickelodeon. Created by Mike Tollin and Brian Robbins... The show ran for 11 seasons of 206 episodes. Now, this is not just one full long series run of all that. All that has ended and relaunched three times now. Its original run ran from April 16, 1994 to November 18, 2000. The show was then relaunched on January 19th, 2002 with an entirely new cast, and that finished up its run on October 22nd, 2005. It was then revived again on June 15th, 2019, and finished its run on December 17th, 2020. That revived series, by the way had some amazing cast members on it, some some newer crop of kids who were actually pretty funny, but they also brought back a lot of legacy characters. And I thought overall it was a fun show to watch. It just unfortunately happened during, you know, the the rough times of 2020, if you know what I'm saying. Everything that happened During then, and it just probably was a a death notice for that show, given that it it requires almost a live audience, and it's live sketch comedy. That's what all that is. If you've never seen all that, it's it's really hard to tell you which era to watch in, because obviously I have a bias of of the '90s era of all that, but it, it. it would be rude for me to just push you on to the the '90s stuff without letting you see other kinds of sketch comedy. The mid 2000s, the the one from the 2019 to 2020 era, it, depending on your age range, is probably where you you might fit into your your all that era. But you really can't go wrong with all of them. Sketch comedy hits. Sketch comedy misses. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. It's it's sketch comedy. And what's great is that when it does hit, it hits in a really good way. Uh, I have a lot of fond memories about all that. It was my like childhood SNL, which, which of course is a great analogy given the fact that Kenan Thompson, the now record-breaking longest tenured member of Saturday Night Live, got his roots all the way back on all that and was a massive star of that original run on all that. So massive, in fact, that he then got to spin off into his own show on Nickelodeon. And then that led into a few other projects, but then ultimately helped pave the way onto his starring role on Saturday Night Live, which he continues to have to this very day. So if you happen to have Paramount+, Plus, it's absolutely worth going out of your way to go back and watch some of those classic episodes of all that. I I got to watch reruns of them when they were uh, first being aired a part of the 90s or all that block on Teen Nick. It was around the last time I still had cable, and, you know, a lot of those episodes and those sketches still hold up uh, in today's day and age. They still work. They're still funny. And there are still legitimately good characters from all that that are just as funny in 2022 as they were back in 1994 and and we'll go over some of those characters later but do yourself a favor and ca- catch some old classic all that sketches if you can. Uh it's it's certainly worth going out of your way to watch. I I can't stress that enough. Sketch comedy and especially when it comes to the like nuanced bits and characters, I'll get into more of what I like in a little bit, but it's hard to tell you like go and watch this specifically. Like I'll tell you what I like, but when it comes to sketch comedy, like it's going to What makes you laugh is going to be different than anybody else. So you might fall in love with a sketch that I completely don't like. And that's the beauty of it, is that there's just so many different things being thrown at the wall. You never know what you're going to find. So it's absolutely worth going out of your way to watch. 19 years ago, on April 12th, 2003, All Grown Up premiered on Nickelodeon. Created by Arlene Klasky, Gabar Chupo, and Paul Germain... The show ran for 5 seasons of 55 episodes. All Grown Up might be one of the most logical spin-offs in entertainment history. I mean, when you have a show where your main characters are babies, it's it's kind of a no-brainer to eventually, hey, what what are these these characters are going to be like when they grow up? What what does that look like? What do they sound like? What what is that? And The Rugrats got to do that with their 10th anniversary special, all grown up. See these characters, 10 years older, and it was an absolutely wonderful episode. It was one of the biggest events in Nickelodeon history, and it was almost a no-brainer at that point, point. and now that you had these designs and these, these updated characters for an entirely new generation, I mean, they, they can grow up with their audience. 10 years later, here are new characters in new adventures well, no, not new characters, but essentially new personalities for characters that we've known for 10 years in completely new situations. And for some people, All Grown Up is a is a big success, is a good spin-off to the Rugrats, in others not so much. They're not a fan of the older Rugrats and their their many adventures as teenagers. And that's the thing. You got to watch the show with almost a different frame of mind, because if you go into it with the Rugrats, you're going to be disappointed because these aren't characters going off on imaginary quests and pretending that the house is a jungle and the backyard is is an Indiana Jones adventure. This, This isn't babies. We're dealing with teenagers who are going through teenage issues, puberty, their love lives, their friendships kind of on the rocks, life changing around them not being into the same things they used to. And in that regard, I gotta call all grown up a bit of a success. Now, for how easy and and as much of a slam dunk of an idea I think it is, I also can sit back and admit that it is not an easy task to, to continually write out episodes and expand on this idea beyond the initial concept. The concept is easy. The execution, though, is is really tough. Now, at first, I didn't really like All Grown Up. I loved the characters. I loved that special. I loved seeing how these these just iconic characters of my childhood would be when they grew up. I, I liked seeing that lens, but as a one-off, that's, that's all I kind of saw it being. When I saw the show was going to be made, I, I thought, wow, that's the end of Rugrats. They're just going to... Now make the all grown up stuff, which is cool. But am I am I still going to love these characters as much as teenagers as I did when they were babies and the stories that they were written for with that imagination level? And, you know, in a lot of ways, I didn't like them as much, but there's one episode of the show I want to bring up. And anytime I talk about all grown up, uh, inevitably, I'm met with people who immediately disapprove of the show but i always bring up this one very specific episode of the show because to me i don't know it it hit me in the right way it was definitely an episode written for classic fans of rugrats who who maybe have not grown up with the all grown-up kids as much and because it's an entire episode that deals with your past and and nostalgia and not being able to let go it's an episode from season three, the fourth episode of that season, Curse of Reptar. And if you can just hear that title alone, you could already, well, like, well, wow, they cover Reptar and All Grown Up. Yes, they do. And it's probably my favorite episode of that show. And not just because it deals with nostalgia, but I, I think the whole message behind it and behind the episode is is well thought out. And it just makes you reevaluate these characters in front of you, and even makes you realize that even as yourself, are you the same person at 10, 15, 20, as you were 10 years earlier? Probably not. So makes you appreciate all grown up in a different light. And I'm glad that we got to see an entirely new set of situations with these characters. We got to see them grow, and that's really special. So glad it exists. Um, If you're a fan of the show... Definitely let me know what your favorite uh, episode is in the comments below. And if you're not a fan and you uh, and you decided to watch that episode based off of Captain Eric's recommendation, I'd like to know what you think about it. And, and hopefully it might make you view all grown up, at least in a more positive light. It might not. You, you can still have your own opinions, but I at least have a nice optimistic look at the show there. Uh, Ten years ago. On April 14th, 2012, The Legend of Korra premiered on Nickelodeon. Created by Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Koyetsko, the show ran for four seasons of 52 episodes. The sequel series to Avatar The Last Airbender, one of Nickelodeon's biggest hits, biggest shows, there was a lot uh, there was a lot of, uh, of fanfare and certain anticipation for The Legend of Korra when it was first announced, because it's it's a tall order. Your your, your sequel series after The Last Airbender is certainly um, a big shoes to fill. But, but I honestly got to say that throughout that first season, I think they filled those shoes fairly well. Korra was a completely different experience than what we got with Aang. They weren't telling us the story of somebody having to learn and take on the responsibility of being the Avatar. Now, Korra still had a lot of learning to be done, but by the, by the time the show starts, the character of Korra is already pretty well regarded as the Avatar and is and knows all of the elements. So that entire learning process right out of the gate is just thrown out. And you're like, well, all right, well, where's this story going to go? And it got to stand on its own two feet, completely separate from the Avatar: The Last Airbender story, in such a beautiful way that it, it you know, for as much as that it, it's a sequel and and has characters and events that have happened previously, it didn't overshadow the Last Airbender in that story. It was just, it was almost like we were able to properly move on, be able to honor what has happened, but still tell fresh and new stories without having to truly step on the toes of the show that came before it. I, I really I really dug that. Um, now, the one thing to mention about The Legend of Korra that is really unfortunate is just the way the last season was handled on Nickelodeon. For those that don't know, the final season and even the second half of, of season three was was really mishandled by, by those in charge around the time. Uh, book three, halfway through ended up starting a release process through Nick.com where they just started taking new episodes off of Nickelodeon, the channel and started just premiering them on the website and then did that through the entire fourth season, which I think was just obviously dwindling ratings throughout the the show. You can see them from the, from the first season through the second, through the third, they were clearly a, a downward trend going on, but I I really don't think that it's a as much as you have dwindling ratings, like you still need new content to air on your channel. There's an argument to be made that, like, well, if a rerun of another show is going to get more viewers than a new show, why air the new show? And and I get that. But there's got to be a good time and a good place as long as you have. Uh, good marketing for your show, it can have a successful place on your network. And and I don't know if there was shuffling with The Legend of Korra going on with new episodes or if they, if they kept a steady time slot, but there were a lot of rumors going on that due to the ending of season four, which saw Korra entering a relationship with her friend Asami and that it being a, a same-sex relationship of sorts to end the series, that it, it might Deem controversial for the network to air therefore you know before you even get to that season just just dump it all through nick.com episode to episode there could be truth to that but i don't think we'll ever truly find that out and you know what it's a real shame that either way that moment couldn't be seen on television it's a real shame that you know, whether it's the ratings or somebody having cold feet, in the network that we, we weren't able to, to have that. But the silver lining is that it exists in the first place. And that if you're a fan of Korra, you got to see a beginning to the story, a middle and an end. You got four books of of a completely new show in the world of Avatar. I think that's absolutely wonderful. If you've never seen any bit of Avatar... I would say it's worth jumping into The Last Airbender first and then going into The Legend of Korra. I I think it would be a a really weird experience to just start with Korra without having all of that extra knowledge and world-building, because then you can't really appreciate some of the other characters that show up and those other moments that happen. You, You want to appreciate that, so do yourself a favor. Watch Avatar The Last Airbender. Watch The Legend of Korra. They are both incredibly awesome shows. They are worth your time. Six years ago, on April 10th, 2016, The Other Kingdom premiered on Nickelodeon. Created by Thomas W. Lynch, the show ran for one season of 20 episodes. As for some video game anniversaries of the week, we are celebrating 21 years ago, on April 13th, 2001, the PlayStation 1 release of Rugrats Totally Angelica, You play Angelica, who somehow has pretty much the run of an entire mall, playing through various mini-games, earning yourself different accessories and clothing options that you can dress Angelica in, who then has to um, uh, get rated on the outfit through a judging, like a a fashion show, if you will, with the judges of Tommy, Chucky, Phil, Lil, uh, Fluffy, her cat, Grandpa Lou... And Reptar. Reptar as one of the judges of Angelica's uh, fashion show. Absolutely hilarious. I actually did not... Oh, Kimmy is also uh, in the game as well. She, She doesn't seem to be one of the judges, but she is a part of the game. I, unfortunately, did not have a PS1 as a kid, so therefore... There is a ton of PS One uh, licensed games I didn't play, like the original Rugrats: Search for Reptar game, uh, which I know is a, is a classic platformer, has a lot of love from people. I was stuck with the with the horrendous Rugrats, uh, uh like board game scavenger hunt on the nintendo 64 and, and uh, there was the rugrats in paris a uh, platforming game on the n64 but i i unfortunately didn't have that as a kid so i i didn't play totally angelica when it came out but when i eventually get through playing through all of the nickelodeon games this one is is gonna eventually come across my desk so I'll have to, I'll have to play through and get judged by Reptar on fashion. What does that guy know about fashion? Let me, let me ask that for a second. And for the other release of this week, 11 years ago, on April 10th, 2011, SpongeBob Squiggle Pants released for the Nintendo Wii. Now, if you have never played this game, unfortunately, it might take a few extra accessories for you to purchase, to get started, but SpongeBob Squiggle Pants was a THQ released game that works alongside the UDraw system for the Nintendo Wii. Now, TH—I believe it was just THQ released the UDraw, which was a drawing tablet that would work with your Wii. You would plug in the Nintendo Wii into the uh, tablet, then the Wii would kind of rest in this little holder. And then you would have access to to draw with your tablet. There were a few games released for the UDRAW system. There was not a ton of them. It was literally a a small handful. There was the UDRAW studio that came with the, the tablet in a package. There was Pictionary. There was Dude's Big Adventure. There was Kung Fu Panda 2, The Penguins of Madagascar, Dr. Blowhole Returns Again, which is another Nickelodeon game technically. Uh, There was a Disney Princess Enchanting Storybooks game and a Marvel Superhero Squad comic combat game. And other than a few other single releases of the UDRAW studio in Pictionary, that is it. That is the library of the UDRAW system. And you would think with such a small library, man, that sounds like a failure. All of those must be awful. I, I can't really speak for all of those games. But the SpongeBob Squiggle Pants one... Is in fact one of my favorite SpongeBob games in general. If you have ever played WarioWare from Nintendo, any of the WarioWare games from the Game Boy, the GameCube, the DS, the 3DS, any of them, then you would know that style of gameplay. Very quick, five to ten second mini games, something for you to do super simply. It is essentially WarioWare with an entire SpongeBob game catalog of characters on top of it and what makes this game even more unique than just being Spongebob WarioWare is that every section of video games has an entirely unique art style devoted to it. Sometimes the art style is very simple and all the characters are drawn in a very specific way. There's other times where the characters all look like they're out of uh, B-horror movies with this darker edge. There's another style that uh, makes the characters all look like they're like chibi art style. Like It's just, you have to look up Spongebob Squiggle Pants to fully appreciate the game, and if you've never played it, it is well worth your time to get yourself a UDRAW tablet for your Wii and a copy of Spongebob Squiggle Pants. I was lucky enough a couple of years ago to actually find the Spongebob Squiggle Pants package, the release that came with the UDRAW tablet and the copy of the game. Like, if you didn't own a UDRAW, and SpongeBob released this was like the all-in-one package for you. I came across that a couple years ago for a decent price, so I was able to like get the the all-in-one package, even though I had the game previously on the 3DS. So it was also released on the 3DS as well. So if you if you don't have a Wii or if you have a Wii and you don't want to go through the trouble of finding the the UDraw tablet, you can at least get the 3DS version if you have one. It is well worth your time. I it, look, it's it's not on par with wario Wear in those games but for an attempt at it i i have to give it a solid a solid b plus uh, an a even just for the the visual effort of the game and just the way it works on the wii eventually i'll play both versions uh, a part of video bob game pants uh that that'll be happening at some point and and that series is gonna certainly be expanded on through youtube i'm gonna have full playthroughs of of all of the games i've played in that series thus far uh, with commentary, without commentary, uh, certainly dropping in the next uh, few weeks. I just have to get the footages of those together, edited, and then get the commentaries done for them. Uh, but other than that, that is This Week in Nickelodeon History. On to my top five of this week, Captain Eric's top five, All That Characters. Now, these, of course, are going to skew a little bit more to the original series but there's one character here that that's not not very classic not like original cast classic but he's he's up there he's my one gimme but uh number five the loud librarian played by lori beth denberg lori beth denberg is one of the most iconic all that cast members in the show's history an absolute trailblazer in sketch comedy for kids. Lori Beth was was the one cast member from that original run that she always ended up playing the, the uh, more adult characters, the teachers, the older women, but the loud librarian just was, from concept to execution, one of the funniest characters she ever performed. Yes, the idea of the librarian keeping everything quiet and shushing everybody that's that's one step of comedy making the, making the librarian then scream everything she says is okay yeah we get that but then every other thing that that librarian would do to cause noise and you know what there's not an amount of sketches of the loud librarian that I could have in my life that I would say would be too much it it's a it's a gimmick and a, a character that works even decades later when they brought her back for the Revival series. So absolutely love The Loud Librarian. Number five is Jack Campbell, Fat Cop, played by Danny Tamborelli. You know what? Out of all of the characters on this list... It's it's the one that you know what like I'm allowed to have a mulligan I'm allowed to have a gimme the the reason I love it is is so dumb it's such a silly reason but I the fact that Jack Campbell runs into a room he runs into a house that there isn't necessarily a crime being committed and the fact that he just his only gimmick is just eating all your food breaking stuff it's it's literally just somebody writing like hey imagine if Chris Farley was just a cop who only cared about like ruining your house and and eating all your food. That's that's the kind of compliment I can give. That's the energy that Jack Campbell gives off, and I just I love the delivery of of the Jack Campbell name by Danny. It's it's literally it's my favorite character that he's ever had on the show. Uh, I love Jack Campbell from the from the Moon and Back. I I I'm glad to even say that when I met Danny Tamburelli, I got to tell him that Jack Campbell was my favorite all-that sketch of his, and he seems to have enjoyed playing that character as, as much as he looked like he did on the show. Uh, number three on my list, Detective Dan, played by Josh Server. Now, Josh is one of the unsung MVPs of all that. Everybody talks about Keenan and Kel, but when it comes to the Knockout King MVP, it is Josh Server. I don't think he gets enough love. I, I, like He's one of the most popular cast members in all that history, but I just don't think he gets enough love for how legitimately good he was on this show. He was able to stand with the best, and he had one of my favorite characters, at least for a character who I, I can at least try to sound like it's its one of my favorites. Um, the, the energy that Detective Dan brought to the room is is unmatched. And, and that Columbo style of speech is just unforgettable. I, I absolutely love Detective Dan. Uh, I You know, with all the praise I've been giving, it's the one gimmick, though, I'll say, that I, I thought it, they pushed too much. With the revival series having his other like family members being brought in. I I, you know, I liked Detective Dan as his own one off character. I, I didn't think he needed to have any sort of legacy sketches. Just just bring him in on a one off anytime you you need somebody. Uh number two, Pierre S. Cargo, played by Keenan Thompson. I am I am I'm a sucker for language I'm I'm a sucker for the way other words are spoken around the world and the idea of learning French and learning these really absurd phrases as a kid made me bust a gut and as an adult it I'm just it makes me smile it makes my heart smile uh I I am of French descent so there's a there's a bit of French in me so there's also that kind of level of uh, you know, I'm I'm kind of proud that one of my favorite moments as a kid was was learning French from PRS Cargo. I I'm so blessed that now I can yell at people in the street in French. Uh, hey, what is your grandmother's toilet doing on my Thanksgiving turkey? And then just honk at him. Uh, it's been a Halloween costume I've been wanting to do for a while, getting like a, a fake bathtub to be able to sit in. Uh, one of these days, one of these days we'll have to get one, but my number one favorite all that character is, is not going to surprise anybody because if I haven't mentioned Kel Mitchell on this list thus far, he's going to have to take the number one spot. And if there's one character that Kel is known for, it is Ed from Good Burger. This, I have no problem with making Ed my number one character. I absolutely Love Ed unconditionally as a character, as Kel's performance of the character. The movie Good Burger is so near and dear to my heart. Every sketch that he was on was extremely funny. The character of Ed, you would think in in massive doses would eventually get annoying, but I I can't explain it. There's something about Kel's performance that I could watch that character in a 90-minute movie and not get sick of it, even after almost 20 years of that movie. I, I don't know what to tell you. Ed, and and just the way he comes across, is, is so innocent and, and lovable, and honestly, he is the perfect embodiment of chaotic good like Ed is a chaotic good character and I love him to the moon and back. I love Good Burger. I love the sketch. I love everything about it and and Ed is the is not just the cherry on top of that. Ed is the whole dang cake. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is this week in Nickelodeon history. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to me ramble about Nickelodeon and all my loves for it. If you like any of the stuff I'm putting out, videos, audios, podcasts, whatever, if you dig Captain Eric, all you have to do is like, subscribe, share all my stuff around to any other fans out there. Any of that that you see fit on doing, I always appreciate it. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening and we will see you here next week with more of this week in Nickelodeon history. Take care everybody. Stay safe. On the Lord nick. On the Lord nick living number 1 Nickelodeon.